Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. I'm here today with Pastor Justin Lawman, and um, we're going to talk about Bible marking and how it's the gift that keeps on giving. You guys who've not joined us before, well, just so you know, this is a podcast where we just share basic, practical insights that will help church members be better personal witnesses in their own sphere. And so thanks, Justin, for coming on the podcast. It's good to have you back in North New South Wales Conference, even though it's just a podcast. That's right. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, man. So there might be like a handful of people, Justin, who don't know your ministry. So would you mind just giving the people who listen to us just a short snippet of who you are, where you're from, your ministry, what you're about? Okay. I was born in North New South Wales in a town called Armadale in New England. Moved to Queensland when I was 10, went into ministry in 1996, I graduated college, I think, and I've been working since then, around 25 years. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey. I spent 10 years in administration in your role, Matt, as evangelism yep. director for four years and six years as conference president, North New South Wales. Then I've been back in a church in Canberra National for four years and now in my second year of coaching and mentoring the young pastors in South New South Wales Conference. Nice. And if you were to give a, an evaluation of yourself and your strengths in ministry, what would they be? I guess I always fall into leadership. I love preaching and teaching the Bible, and I am compulsive evangelist. <laughs> compulsive? What does that mean? Can't help myself. <laughs> I just love it. I, I go preaching on weekends at all these different churches, and I, I tell you, it's very rare not to find a Bible study at someone else's church. They're everywhere. I just seem to have that thing of finding people. Last Is night it? I was studying with a Presbyterian dude and we just, he was so elated at the end of it. He was hating on Adventists when we started. and He was so mesmerized. He actually stayed up till midnight. I just heard this morning he was so stoked. So that that's a total buzz for me, soul winning. Sharing yeah. Jesus with new people is it makes my heart beat. It's your gift. You think you have the gift of evangelism? Yeah, I like guess the spiritual it's my gift. gift of evangelism. Yes, yeah. I've never really felt that I have that gift. I feel like I'm Timothy, where Paul says, "Do the work of an evangelist," but not necessarily being gifted. But I've been around people who are gifted, so just kind of model there. You learn, right? That's the point of I, being. In I think sometimes the gifting thing can mess us up and think, "Oh, it's not my gift." So I've learned. What I've always had, rather than say oh, a gift, I've had a passion for it. I've, I love it. And some people have a passion for it. Now, it's not a, like preaching is a very specific gift. Soul winning is very broad and, and more complex than just one discipline like that. So there's definitely a lot in that. There's a science to it. There's a learning you have to do. It's very simple but also it's a skill you definitely develop and get better and better at it. What's the secret to, or what are some secrets to success in soul winning and evangelism? Listening. Listening is a massive thing. Being able to make the person the center of what you're doing, not having some agenda and you're imposing your agenda on them, actually dealing with who's in front of you. And I think listening is a big part of that. Seeing what's in front of you. Yeah, dealing with that person and their individual needs. And this is why it's a complex thing because the next person will be quite different than where they're at. And over time, you get better and better at, at understanding and hearing where people are at and 
not imposing your agenda on them, but actually letting them, when they're really a seeker, it's a very fun and easy thing to do. And just identifying a seeker becomes one of the skills you have to learn to become effective. Discernment's important. Being able to recognize the moving of the spirit in someone's life. Yeah. A seeker is the easiest thing in the world to work with. But to you, you definitely can make some blunders and make it harder for that person than you need to. Yeah, I get that. So how would you define evangelism? What's evangelism in your estimation? It's a transliteration from a Greek word. The word English word evangelism comes from euangelon, which is two Greek words together, good message or good news. And it is sharing the gospel. Evangelism is sharing the gospel. And that how it, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, where the seed lands is not in our control. Our control is sharing the gospel. That's our responsibility. But where it's going to land and what the person's going to do with that, you can't take that on board. That's That depends on the heart that's receiving it. So for me, evangelism is always centered around sharing the gospel. You can do that publicly. You can do it personally. You can do it corporately. There's all sorts of ways of doing it, but at the center of it is sharing the message of salvation with someone that hasn't heard it. Yeah, and it's interesting because you said before that listening and making the person the center of what you're doing, and then now in regards to evangelism, like success in evangelism is making the person that you're reaching out to central, and then it's proclaiming the gospel. Are there any other secrets of success? in the proclamation of the gospel besides really listening, really watching, really knowing and discerning what's happening with the spirit and the person? I think having the scripture at the center of your responses and that what you're sharing, the scriptures, they are the holy word of God. They have power in them. And so when you're not sharing philosophies or, or even biblical ideas, you're sharing the text of scripture with someone and they're discovering the Bible. That brings a great power. Having the gospel at the center of your message, every different doctrine we teach to let it be gospel-centered. It's the power of God under salvation, Romans 1.16. But then really being biblical and letting it be about the Bible and not about you. People yep. say, oh, you, your Sabbath is, oh, it's not my Sabbath. It's a biblical Sabbath. So you've taken yourself out of the equation. Now a rejection of the Sabbath is a rejection of what the Bible teaches, not what Justin teaches. Yeah, that's it. And in a way, that's pointing to Jesus because it's the word of Jesus, not the yeah. word of Justin. Putting him in the center. No, that's it. So you're fired up about not only evangelism, but getting other people involved in sharing faith. And so you developed a series of Bible marking guides, and they're available now to the churches. We've got some in North New South Wales. I think lots of conferences have bought in because it's a really good resource. And what, so you composed this resource and where'd you get the content? Where'd you get the material? Did you just sit down one day and say, hey, I'm going to put together a Bible marking guide. What, how did this whole thing develop? No, it was quite accidental. And I begged, borrowed and stole. There's nothing original in these Bible marking guides. Maybe I wrote one or two, the one on the, the gift of tongues, but most of them I've used when I first left college and I started working with Pastor John Lang, he was using the Bible Says, an old Adventist Bible study guide, question and answer. 
and I, I cut my teeth on those, and I hear a lot of it in these ones still, the old Bible says. So it's not original in that sense. And there are lots of other Bible marking guides historically too. What I first started to do on a Wednesday night, I was working in California at Community Advanced Fellowship in Arcadia, and I Wednesday night was prayer meeting, but it was a real preaching prayer meeting. And I thought, hey, I should be teaching these people how to go and share their faith. So I turned it into a Bible study training, if you like, and I produced a one-page Bible marking guide. It's a one-page Bible study, basically, on an A4. So you can print them out. You don't have to go and buy them at the shop. And if you've got a photocopy, you can make a thousand other things. It was cheap, and I made one a week as I taught these people, and they would go out that week and actually share what they'd heard on Wednesday night with one one of their friends and get them into Bible studies. And a few of them really came quite effective in baptized a bunch of people. I always remember Raquel, a lady who was retired, and this was her first time in her life she gave Bible studies. And I went back years later to that church, and she was still baptizing people with those set of study guides. That's how it started. And then it's got developed. Libby Hergenen helped me get rid of my spelling mistakes. Alicia Cook, different people in North New South Wales. And then finally, Lynn, Lynn Goodyear really developed this latest Echo Ministry version. It's got illustrations as well. And so it's been an, it's evolved over time. But the great principle of it is that when you're giving this Bible study to someone, you're also training them knowingly or unknowingly, so they can go and share that same Bible study with someone else. It's a reproducing cycle, if you like, that whenever you're sharing it, you're also training it. That's mm. how that's how it's really developed. Is there anything unique about this Bible study guide series? Because we call it a Bible marking guide. It's like basically a set of Bible studies that you can share with other people. What's unique about this Echo Ministry Bible marking guide as compared to other series of Bible studies? Because there's a ton out there. Is there anything unique about these studies? I've noticed a tendency with the modern Bible study guides that have lots of writing and not many verses to look up. This is like the opposite of that page. It is primarily verses to look up with a brief comment beside each verse. So you're heavily engaged in reading the text and the comments are very brief and so the it's very there's not big explanations going on like uh, many modern bible study guides have that's one thing i guess would make sense distinguishes it yeah at the moment it does I, i think there's certainly been other ones in history it's not unique totally but it is certainly unique in this age where we're not going heavy on the comments but we're going heavy on the verses. And we, we only have about 12 to 14 verses on each study. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful resource too, by the way. And I just, I like how it's laid out. It's simple. It's clean. It's as a person who gives Bible studies, it's really, I can look at the study guide and it, it's it's easy to make sense out of. It's kind of like when you go to a web page and some web pages are a bit convoluted and confusing and you just have a hard time navigating around. You're like, where am I here? And it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit frustrating. Some study guides can be similar. I, I like the study guides that you guys have produced, the Echo uh, Bible Marking Guides, because it's laid out really well. And I'm a big fan of 
the question and answer style of Bible study guides, because a Bible study guide in my estimation is not supposed to be a book. It's not just like you're reading a book. It's you're doing an exercise of studying and accessing biblical information for yourself. And the guide is just supposed to kind of guide you yeah, and just provoke thoughts. And then you, and it's funny because one of the things I always train kids who in our conference, who I get the opportunity to, to train in whatever programs we're doing is, is, as I'll say, we're not trying to indoctrinate people with our ideas. We're trying to bring people to scripture, ask them questions and find answers for themselves from the Bible. So we're not just teaching them by telling them, we're teaching them by allowing them to learn for themselves. And that's just going to make them better, more gen- just better believers. It's gonna, because these are people then who have learned from God's word, not people who've just taken your word for things. And I just really like just the question and answer format. It's simple. I'm giving a Bible study. I've got this guide. We're asking a question. We're looking to the Bible for the answer. And the person then has to reason. They have to think. They're not just sitting there, you know, mindlessly shaking their head as you ask, you know, does that make sense? As you tell them, you'll preach to them, basically. Simplicity is a big thing. And you can do this Bible study really simply and bring it right down. And I sat in with one of the local deacons in Canberra who gave this Bible study. And he really shocked me because he dropped out like a, a third of the verses. He made it even simpler than what I'd made it. At first, I was quite offended. I think, hey, he's changing my Bible study guide. But he actually taught me a great lesson that the more you've studied the Bible or worse still, you've gone and got a degree in theology, you make yourself so out of touch with the average Joe that you're giving the study to. And most people don't give a Bible study to someone in their family or their friendship circle. The number one reason I would say is a lack of confidence that they don't know how to or they don't know the Bible well enough. When in reality, any member of the church is like a rock star in their understanding of Scripture compared with the average Joe on the street. And you, the simpler you're keeping your Bible studies for a new person, I think the more powerful they are for that person. To make them, I, I, I go around with pastors, young pastors who've come out of college and they're giving Bible studies. And again, I have to say, buddy, simplify this. Your theological knowledge is becomes a barrier because you've gone into these complex explanations of stuff that they didn't need. And they, it just, you can see them glazing over. Keep it simple. They have the rest of their life to dig deeper into these truths. You don't have to provide everything the first time they ever discover it. It (laughs) needs to be simple because they're not going to take it all in anyway. Even at the simplest of levels, it's going to take a lifetime. And And why do you uh, think people do that, Justin? Why do we do that? There could be different reasons. I think we do it, we get excited about it. And I know I rave on because I'm excited about all these different things. And it's, it's always a reflection of where the person's at what you're sharing. And what you have to do when you go into Bible study is remember when you were first learning yourself. This is a difficulty. And so that's where a new person's never given Bible studies is actually very effective because they haven't got a whole three layers of understanding on each verse. They've only got the little comment at the side and that's it. And they think, oh, I don't know much. That makes you better at this. 
because you've kept it very simple. You've explained what the verse means in the context of what you're studying, and you move to the next one. You don't have to be there for three hours. In fact, you should take about 30 or 40 minutes to give a Bible study with a new person. Brother, I remember the first Bible study I ever gave in my whole life. I remember the house. I remember the city. I remember the family. I remember everything. I remember my preparation, how nervous I was. Uh, I had this idea in my head that I, I had to be original, so I couldn't use a guide, and I knew nothing about scripture or how to give us. And I spent an, you know, an enormous amount of time putting this study together. And it answered so many questions that this couple never would have asked. It defended against ideas they never would have even conceived of. It was like, it was me trying to make a great study where you didn't need a great study. You just needed a simply true study communicated in partnership with the spirit to bring them to knowledge that was relevant to them. And it's just amazing. I, I was almost like I was trying to give a Bible study to four people who weren't there at the study. Like I wasn't giving a study to the people that were there. I was giving a study to people that were in my head. Funny. If you were studying with the local Baptist pastor, you might have to go into a whole lot of theological concepts because he's got a degree in theology or whatever. But the that's very rare. He doesn't want to study with you. Who you're going to be studying with is someone that's never opened it. And the big thing that I learned coming back out of being an administrator back into the local church is I have to use page numbers. So what part of the system that I, I teach with people is that you have the same Bible as what you've given to the person to use. That's essential in my mind. So we always give away the same Bible as the Bible that I'm using, and they're expensive Bibles. They're not cheap Bibles. They're 40 bucks or, or whatever price you can get them for, sometimes $50 in some places. They're worth it if you can afford that. But please have the same Bible as they have. So when you turn up to the first verse in the series, which is Amos 3.7, you can say it's on page 1051. Just turn to page 1051 because a new person cannot find Amos. They can't find Revelation. They struggle with Genesis. You're going to make them feel like a, a fool that they, they don't even know. Oh, I don't can't find anything. And, and that the person will rip it open to Amos and they know straight away where it is. Give page numbers for every verse. And if you have the same Bible, I mark my page numbers when I mark my Bible so I can tell them our next verse is on page Matthew 24 is 11.44 in that particular Bible we're using. I actually know the page numbers as well as the verses because you, you get so used to sharing a page number and it takes away all the embarrassment of never studied before and the study will go a lot faster and freer if you can use page numbers. So just a quick question about these particular Bible study guides, Justin, did you guys develop them with the intention that the person giving the study would actually mark their Bibles with these verses? Yes. And yeah, so I, that's part of the whole program. There's a few things I've changed over the years. One thing I don't believe in, and this is sound dreadful, is training. Okay. And I know, Matt, in your role, you're expected to be the big evangelism trainer. And I was in the same role. And I did it for years and I never saw a lot of impact, if I'm honest. So one, one thing that I really have encouraged and, and what I've become to believe in, I understand what Jesus was doing a lot better now, is mentoring. 
so the person comes with me on the Bible study. They watch me give the Bible study or they've received the Bible study from me and then they will be able to see, well, okay, that's, and the more they do that, the better they become in it. And I think anything else is a shortcut. God can use a shortcut. I would still train in a PowerPoint way, but honestly, if you can go along with someone that's inexperienced, and one of the rules I have with Bible workers is they are never to do a Bible study on their own. They're to take someone else with them. For There's numerous reasons, but my primary reason is that they can actually learn or be teaching a new person how to share that Bible study. It is by far the most motivating and effective way to learn how to give Bible studies and to get others engaged in it is to have them join you in a Bible study again and again until they feel confident to do it themselves. Yeah, I said, discipleship is discipline. So Jesus' disciples, he was disciplining or training them. And that training involved what you're describing as mentorship. And what we do as training is more kind of pedagogic part, just teaching. It's just like a, a workshop. We call a workshop training, but that's not really training in the truest sense. Training always involves doing the actual task. Like a, an apprentice is being trained, a carpenter's apprentice is being trained by the carpenter, but they're working together in the carpenter's shop. So I think we just misuse that word, right? Like training, we just call a workshop at a camp meeting training. And that's funny because it almost becomes an excuse. I like what you say that you just don't believe in training. I, I don't believe in training, how it's defined in some circles where it's just a workshop. And then that's called, I'm trained. Like, hey, I've been trained to do this particular thing, but you've never even done it. And sometimes this is going to seem like a random statement, but it builds off of your point. Training sometimes becomes an excuse not to do. And um, like where you say, I need more training and I need it more. It's, it's almost like it, until you have some perfect level of knowledge or some perfect ability to do something, then the idea is that you won't do it. And so training sometimes becomes a barrier to doing because people think until I'm trained, whatever that's supposed to mean in their minds, usually it's until I know how to do something perfectly, I won't do it. I think that mindset really is detrimental. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and the big thing in my discovery is I reread the Gospels with new eyes when I, I discovered it's actually mentoring is the proper way to train. And this is what Jesus does. The disciples just tag along until eventually he gets to Matthew 10, he sends them out two by two and they go and do what I've been doing. And and then they come back and he does a debrief with them and, and increasingly he's letting them go to do it themselves until they get to the book of Acts. And even then they don't really know, but they go anyway. And But they've been watching him and that's so effective. If we keep going in the traditional classroom mentality, and there's a place for the classroom, there's a place for the PowerPoint and all that sort of stuff. But if if we had have just been, if me in my own ministry, the whole time I gave a Bible study, I always had someone with me. I was teaching how to do this. Multiplication starts to take over and I'm multiplying myself because that one person then will go and they have the rule that they take someone with them and they are teaching. And what would happen over 25 years if you had every Bible study you gave, you had someone with you that was learning the craft and watching and maybe going on to be far better at this than you, 
If we had have been doing that on a longer term scale, multiplication would have taken over and we would be so much further ahead in our growth than what we currently are by using a classroom approach. Because I've discovered trained graduates with degrees don't know, are not very good at and don't have any confidence in giving Bible studies. When all they needed was someone to ride along with them that knows they've done it and say, hey, you're doing well. I would probably not talk so much. I would let them, and don't ask them to give you a difficult answer to a question. Just ask them, is that clear? Are you understanding? Just simple little things like that that you learn on the job. We would be so much further ahead as a movement if we had have been practicing that Jesus approach to training than we currently are by letting classroom become the main form of training. I'm not against the classroom. I've been blessed by the classroom, but I am totally into mentoring and learning on the job. That's how I learned from John Lang. I went with him for three months on Bible studies. Now, I graduated college and I knew everything. In reality, I knew nothing, and I'm still learning, and I'm still adjusting 25 years later. So it's that student attitude, the disciple attitude all the time, always learning, always growing. But am I taking someone with me? Are they watching and learning? And am I letting them have a go after a couple of studies, and I give them some feedback? That's what we should be doing, and I, I don't bother with the traditional form of training because I know if I do this one it will start to multiply and take off I couldn't agree more it you've got to give people the opportunity to learn as they do things I, I don't be th I, we talk a lot about discipleship and we're going to wrap up here just for the sake of time but in the Adventist church we talk a lot about discipleship it's very fashionable to do discipleship training and as because you extended the call here for me to come to the country that we do training in North New South Wales. We we do Arise and we do other kinds of training. I believe that you're not really doing training if you're not doing practical outreach ministry. With your trainees, you're just doing talking. You're just doing teaching concepts. You're you're dwelling in the abstract. You're not you're not really practically training someone because you're not giving them the opportunity to do the thing you're teaching them to do. And until you have that practical knowledge, you really have nothing. And I think that there's a real deception, not deception, that's not the right word, but we can really trick ourselves into thinking that we're competent when we're not because we know concepts and ideas and we become kind of philosophers who stroke our chins and talk about if the church just did this and if when we do this and we become these salesmen for ideas, but we're practically useless because we ourselves don't have any practical experience in doing something. And I think this is, it's really, yeah, it's really unfortunate. And, and I think when you observe Jesus, he's so, he's taking too big a risk. He's just called these guys and ordained them as, as apostles. And when he sends them out in Luke 10, how prepared are they? How trained, quote, in our view are these guys? It's just shocking. It, it, almost seems, it almost seems like Jesus didn't want them to be trained too much before he sent them out because he wanted them to learn the first and greatest lesson. And that was the lesson of faith and dependence upon God. And those kind of core character qualities that's, ne that's necessary to success and soul winning before he filled their head with too many concepts and, and high ideals. Because you get a young person who doesn't know what they're doing, and you can really tie their feet together with too many ideas and too many rules. And they just, yeah, I don't know. There's, I've said a lot there and I've rambled a bit, but I think I've made some good points. And I, I've seen this time and time again, that if you're going to train people, you really need to get them 
in ministry doing outreach. And that's, that is training. And if you're not doing that, you're just giving them ideas, which is fine. But I had this Baptist guy say to me once, he said, Matt, don't learn more than your ability to think. He said, he said, so many people learn more than their ability to think. And they get all these ideas in their heads. They can't process them. They don't know what to do with them. They don't have the, the character, the strength, the ability, the capacity to implement these ideas in their lives. And so these ideas become a burden that keep them back. And I think Jesus understood that. And he, that's why he was so successful in training. But anyways, man, so we've chatted for a bit, and I'm just really glad that you joined me today, bro. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. But for those of you guys out there who are looking to get your hands on a really great resource, I would highly recommend the Bible study guides that Pastor Justin and the Echo Ministries team have put together. We've purchased some at the conference here in North New South Wales. So we've got some in my department, and if you're looking for a handful, we could probably get you some if you'd like to order more. How could they do that, Justin? Yeah, you can get them through the Adventist Book Center, so better books including Kurumbong. We They're also online. And I, I just have to stress, Matt, we do not make one cent profit from these things. That We get rid of them at the cost of printing them. We That's one of my rules with making this thing. I don't want to make any money off it. I just, I'm paid. I don't want that. So these are cheap. You can't. We're printing them the current run about $3 a pop. Now, in order to sell them in a bookshop, the bookshop has to cover its cost. So you'll get them for about $9 or something, I think, at Adventist Book Center. You can go to Echo Ministries. I should remember the website, Matt. I think it's <laughs> echoministries.com. And you'll, you can print them off for free. If you go to Google and type in Justin Lawman Bible Marking, you can get several different versions of that. this current one, there's the latest one, but there's the older one, which is the same verses. Print them off at home on your computer. Happy for you to do that. I tell conferences if they want to get them for their people that they can, they are copyrighted so people can't hijack it. But if you ask, I'll be happy for you to go and just print them at, at whatever cost you can get them printed for. We'll give you the data and you can print it off and distribute them in your church or wherever you want. To. I just looked it up. It's echoministries.online. That's the website. something different. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, listen, there. you guys have done a fantastic job. These are really, really good Bible study guides and they're beautiful. They're, they represent well the content that that's inside of them. And if you're a church member out there who has a friend, family member who you believe is open to some degree to the Holy Spirit of God and would accept Bible studies, I would just encourage you not to wait until you, you've you got it all figured out and you, quote, know how to give a great Bible study before you go. Really, it's just a matter of opening the Word of God in humility and following a little course, a little Bible study guide like this, and and learning together with a friend and giving them opportunity to hear what, what God has to say. I think it really is, it can be that simple and lives can be changed because um, it's not really about us and our talent and our strength and ability, is it? It's about Jesus Christ and his work as our high priest and our savior. And uh, and he can do great things just mm. through the person who's willing, right? Amen. Not we, He doesn't need extraordinary talent and ability, even though that's good. He wants us to develop that, but he just needs willingness and motivation. And Justin, wouldn't you say, maybe just to close, that it's more important success to ministry and evangelism is more about motivation and inspiration than it is about knowledge and gifting? 
Yeah, the knowledge is in the guide itself and it's in the scriptures. You don't need knowledge. You just need to be able to read. And you're dead on the money if you're motivated. And I would probably add the key ingredient is humility. When you're humble, you don't tend to put yourself at the center of stuff. If there's anyone that I think is a bit dangerous in evangelism, it's when they've got to inject themselves all the time into everything. It's not about you. It's about this wonderful message that Jesus saves and what he wants to do in our life and to just be humble about sharing that and to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I'd love sometime, Matt, maybe we can do another one on how to find a seeker and how to identify a seeker because that is probably the big thing that I had to learn over 10 years. I was wasting my time with so many people that weren't really interested but if you find someone that's interested, they'll listen and they'll absorb everything you share. And it's really exciting. And they're everywhere. You've just got to learn how to identify them. That sounds fantastic. We'll literally, we'll do, we'll, we'll record it next week. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Thank you guys again for joining us. I hope that you've been as blessed as I have been. Thank you, Justin. And uh, yeah, let's just continue to move forward in faith, um, sharing this amazing gospel truth that God has committed to us in these last days. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. Take care. Bye.